welcome to the TPA podcast, a series of interviews with the Preston Associates Partnership of Executive Coaches. We will take a look at the trends driving business and leadership and offer insight and analysis on how you can become a better leader. I am your host, Tom Ritchie. The ongoing COVID-19 crisis has brought sharper focus on the need to take care of ourselves. Being forced to mix the personal and professional can lead to a myriad of challenges in both parts of our lives and have a knock-on effect in our ability to spend enough time on our physical, emotional and mental health. This is particularly true of senior leaders, whose responsibilities to their people and organisations can further distract them from their own well-being. Today, we'll be joined by six TPA coaches from around the globe. They will share their experiences of lockdown and look at the tool that they've been using to help themselves and their clients focus on their own well-being. I'll now pass you over to Nadine Slater, one of our TPA coaches based in Hong Kong, to tell you more. Thank you, Tom. So in January, with COVID-19 hitting China and quickly spreading to us here in Hong Kong, the sudden school closings, strict social distancing and omnipresent fear of contagion brought a whole new level of stress, uncertainty and unpredictability. Our roles as leaders, colleagues, parents, and in my case, executive coach, quickly blended into one big, all-consuming responsibility, uh, which we experienced as 24-7, really, with little time to unwind either physically or mentally. Come March, by the time Europe and the UK started their third week of home working and schooling, I was in my third month. So my European friends and colleagues and coaches started asking for advice on how to adapt to this crazy new normal. Um, so at TPA, we put a thinking pot together around the topic of well-being, which soon gained momentum. We found sharing our own experiences of lockdown incredibly cathartic and um, inspired us to build on the work of positive psychologist Martin Seligman to create a practical coaching tool called It Starts With You, focusing on six different areas, vitality, positive emotions, engagement, personal achievement, relationships and meaning. This tool includes prompts and questions to help us think about how to put on our own oxygen mask first before supporting those around us. It can be used regularly and perhaps even on a daily basis to get us out of survival mode and set us up for success. So today we'd love to bring this tool to life um, and we wanted to share some of the discussions around these six areas which we've actually found so helpful within our thinking pot. Just talking about how we've all individually struggled and overcome well-being challenges in these last few months. Each of our regular Zoom calls has actually now become a highlight of our week, our own hour of self-care, if you will. Hello, this is Bettina from London. So uh, when the lockdown hit London, I found myself within a week, I had a 23-year-old master student from Paris being my daughter at home. And in the same week, my son, 17-year-old, working for predicted grades of this international baccalaureate at home as well. Quite quickly with the COVID, having this overflood of information about, you know, COVID and the infection rates and the death rates, I realized quite quickly um, there is there are elements you can't control and there are some you can control. And I decided quite quickly to focus on the one which I, I can control. And um, thinking about um, vitality, obviously, these are things. If I'm not fit, I can't be fit for my family, for my children, and for my work, for my coaches. So um, 
if we think about vitality, there are all kinds of different aspects. And, you know, these are not just examples, but one would be, for example, getting out in fresh air. Um, so I started to do regular walks in the park and I encouraged everybody around me and I could see being out in the trees, how that made me feel better. And coming to eating habits, you know, I thought like pretty at the beginning, okay, there are two ways you can come out here, either fit or fat. And I thought fit is the one I want. So I started to look as well, what do I will be eating? And in the family, I encouraged the others and we took turns in cooking. Um, so, and then, you know, sleeping, I think that's another thing for people as well, especially in crisis situation where you think you sleep well, but you don't never really sleep very well because there's always these underlying fear and some people experience that more. So this is a bit like how I try to help myself. And I, you will laugh, I printed out a monthly diary and every month, every day I filled in what exercise I did. Uh, in two groups, cardiovascular and normal exercise. And it helped me to give me the feeling of achievement and make me feel better. I'm, it's Bryony here. I'm, um, I'm calling in from Wales. Up until lockdown started, I was at home with my husband. It was just the two of us on our own. I was away a lot for work. Um, and when lockdown happened, my two children both announced um as as we saw that it was coming they both announced they wanted to come back to wales for lockdown and it was it was it was lovely in many ways having the family there but it was also really challenging because i'm quite um bizarrely i probably don't stand like it but i'm actually quite introverted i need my space and it suddenly occurred to me i had a friend who who sent me a message and said I've just started couch to 5k and I was like you must be kidding so this is a, a running um, program she wanted to be able to run 5k and I thought do you know what if I do that that might actually sort of give me two really positive things that I can I can do here because it'll a, it'll get me doing some exercise and I am not a runner naturally, but all the things that I used to enjoy before lockdown, like circuits, yoga, I was a dance. I just couldn't do them. So I decided I would do the, fi uh, the couch to 5k as well, because it also gave me a chance to have some space. It's interesting that, um, and Bettina, you saying about that sort of the green leaves and space, I think our sort of automatic reaction when, um, and I was in London and I've got a small, a one-year-old baby and I'd find like often there were days I'd get to the end of the day and because I was having this frenzy about keeping everything going at home, I hadn't left the flat and, and I was like a caged animal and it actually took me quite a while to suddenly put two and two together and realize that on the days I wasn't even getting out I, I was in a real state actually by the end of them because I think just the oppression of lockdown and then not having that fresh air um, and it wasn't you know talking about vitality I'm afraid I'm probably erring a little bit more on the side of fat than fit at the end of this because chocolate has been my friend um, me too but it didn't even need to be you know a vigorous run it was just getting out and breathing in the fresh air and you know and being outside well I mean so this is Lee here um yeah and obviously being a former athlete the vitality piece 
was quite key to me. And I started to sort of play with different diets. Um, and so my eating habits started to affect my moods and I could really see which foods helped um, and, and didn't help. And that sort of brings us on to the next part of the tour, which was that positive emotions, because I like to think I'm one of the most positive people in the world. And I've always got a bright sort of look on life. And in this period, in this lockdown, COVID, I was on a roller coaster. Um, obviously, I started to notice food was affecting it. But the first time I really had a dip was when I, I, I felt trapped. I felt like there was no way um, out of the world anymore. You couldn't fly. Um, I was 40 last year and I, I was quite proud, not of my carbon footprint, but I, I'd been to China. I'd you know, been all, basically every month I'd sort of done a trip away and all of a sudden it felt like I was trapped um, in, <laughs> in my house. Three little boys, uh, no escape, work on top. So it was a real tough time. And so then part of the tool, part of speaking to everyone is how do you get back into that um, you know, positive emotion? Um, when we coach, uh, we tend to get people to fill out, or I like to get people to fill out a gratification diary. And then that allows you to start thinking more positively. Um, and so I found even just the sun was amazing every day, waking up, being with your kids, everything that you, you want to as a parent. So going back into that, what can you and can't you control? Um, and then one of the best bits for me that really changed it around is because you're obviously, yeah, there's a lot of TV going on. And as much as I was trying to drag everybody out, when you only had that one hour a day, we started to play some of the old movies and uh, the stuff that really made you laugh as a kid and Inspector Cluzo and stuff like that. And laughing, watching those films, all of a sudden the rush of endorphins. So it took me right back to, to some real wholesome good, but we were watching some really funny, crazy movies. And the minute you start laughing, your energy goes up. So have I got it locked down? Am I still on an upward trajectory? Definitely not. It's still a roller coaster, uh, but it's now a roller coaster that I'm enjoying. Really interestingly, and I was just thinking there about the positive emotions. And it, I think the first step is admitting to yourself that actually you're not feeling okay. Because sometimes I think as leaders and as mothers and as fathers and as brothers and sisters or whatever role we play in life, we we don't want to admit that we're we're not okay. We're feeling a bit low, or we're not having time to take take exercise, or to laugh, or to do what you know what makes us feel good. And you know, certainly something I've noticed, both myself, my family, and my clients, is um, what you know what it is to admit to ourselves that we're not feeling okay. And I'm based in Dublin here, and it's good to have uh, some time to just just breathe in the fresh air, but also to connect with people and to make sure that you're looking after yourself. So I think that's absolutely right. Yeah. It's interesting. I was just sort of when you were saying that feeling at the beginning, and I actually got COVID at the beginning when it was all when we were going into lockdown. And, and the anxiety was just extraordinary, because it was not only as like, what on earth is happening to our world, you know, my husband popped to Sainsbury's to get a few essentials and people were like swiping all the baby wipes off the shelves like, it was really actually like really alarming and then when I got unwell it was this sort of you know oh my gosh I'm going to give it to my husband and you're hearing these terrible stories about how it was affect you know people were you know the numbers were rising of who was sort of dying from this and so there was a real you know my anxiety was focused around health at the beginning as so many people were 
Um, what that's done though, looking at as Lee's point about the gratification, is I think having had that sort of very, you know, acute sort of fear at the beginning of you know people's survival your family members survival of it has made me feel very grateful for being okay and getting through it and therefore when the sort of repercussions i think of covid and you know impact on work and you know some of the financial reality is starting to sort of sit set in actually I feel grateful just, you know, for the pure thing of being healthy and okay. And it's been in a way quite a good context with which to move forward. Yes, Rebecca, actually this anxiety shift you just mentioned, um, just to build on that one from, you know, the half year that we've been exposed to here now, we're in our third wave. Um, and uh, I've just recently been informed that I've been exposed in two different locations and I heard about on the same day. So, of course, my anxiety levels that had been really calm over the last couple of months, um, where we went nearly back to, you know, normal with kids going to summer camp and and, and sort of summer holidays feeling, all, all of a sudden it closed down on us again and, and really closed in on everything. And when I heard that I was exposed, I knew because I had declined face-to-face meeting even coming up, I had to get tested quite quickly. And what it did first was obviously sending me into the spiral of worrying. What if we have to go into hospital or government quarantine, kids can't look after themselves and so on. However, I I realized that as soon as the negative uh, test result came back, there was this big relief, yes, but also actually I was a lot calmer already this whole time because we've been through this, we know a lot more about the, the what's and ifs and hows and we're more prepared. Everyone's wearing masks in Hong Kong anyway. So I felt actually quite calm and more quickly was able to refocus myself on, you know, the positive emotions and what is in my control. So having had this, you know, little um, drop into this anxiety element again, I actually thought, you know, I'm healthy. We we can also be just all grateful that that we're still okay and we can do our best to stay healthy. But my focus became very quickly for you know positive emotions on a daily basis what can we do that is fun whether it's just for me for the kids um you know just just focusing on really what is in our control and what positive emotions can we bring into our day it's important to be aware of what it is that gives you those positive emotions and um certainly for me i think after those first few weeks when i was i was generally struggling quite a lot i started to think well what do i normally do outside of lockdown what did i do before that that really gave me joy and one of the things that i really love is music um before lockdown i used to sing regularly um as part of a duo uh, with a guitarist and we used to sing in the local pubs at um, open mics um, and you know even round at people's houses we would often get together a group of us and and sing and I suddenly realized that you know it was a long time since I'd been totally lost in music you know when you get to that stage when you're so in flow that you forget time you forget where you are and you're just carried away with positivity and so one of the things that I've done since that realization is trying to find some time to actually listen to some really 
lovely music and um and also I've even started singing along to the karaoke that you can get on YouTube which is great fun but it it's um you know it's really important to find whatever it is that that engages you completely yeah I would like to be Built on that, Brian, we, uh, on this engagement piece you were talking about. And uh, I think it, it's very much as well, you know, what type of personality people are. You know, there are people who, you know, compensate or they are in their flow and in positive uh, emotions when they do sports. Others really enjoy gardening. Or my daughter, for example, when she was, she's quite an introvert person. So I found for her... Um, to calm her or to relax for her, the most helpful was to do puzzles. So I was like a machine every week. I was ordering another thousand piece, uh, pieces puzzle, which trust me was quite a challenge, but because statistically there are quite a lot of introverts in the world. And I think there were a lot of people <laughs> kind of uh, turning to puzzles. But um, I think it doesn't really matter what it is. And some people took up baking or what it is. I think it's just something which really captivates your mind and helps you to focus so get, that you get kind of like negative thoughts out of your, your brain and you do something which really gives you pleasure. We, talk, we talked about quite a bit about personal achievement in this and how, and I don't know about others, but I, I mean, I sort of didn't feel like I was getting anything done when this happened. The sort of energy of the anxiety and the not knowing and where's this situation going created a sort of productivity paralysis in me. I would sort of get to the end of each day and just be like, what have I actually done? I haven't really done anything well work-wise because I was sort of then thinking about what I needed to do for my baby, who I could see on the other side of the room because our flat's small and you can't get away from him. So I was sort of going from sort of pureeing baby food to try and, you know, have productive coaching conversations every five minutes. Then I just get to the end of the day and feel like I've achieved nothing at all. Um, and I think you do question your parenting when you're sitting there with your small child watching monkey music on a laptop while you're sort of trying to get things done around them. And I... And I started really beating myself up about it um, and just, you know, finding that was just making the situation even worse. And I eventually got to a point where I was just like, actually, I am going to give myself one thing today, each day that I want to get done and I want to get done well. And, and just be a little bit kinder and more generous to myself in what I'm setting out to achieve each day. And you know what, once I did that, it then was a real breakthrough because you're like, actually, you can do that one thing. And then, you know, further, further achievement sort of comes on from it. I'm really curious also, Becca, just to build on that as how it's affecting the people that we're coaching and leaders in particular, because their, their drive and their ambition in work is to achieve and achieve for others, you know, for their businesses or for the people that work around them. And, and I'm curious to uh, work with clients to see what they need to achieve for themselves. So exactly as you said, that, you know, if it is cooking or if it is going out for a walk in the fresh air, how they actually do that for themselves rather than thinking that personal achievement has to be something business related all the time and that it can be, you know, it can be as uh, as basic as getting out of bed and putting clothes on and, and, you know, doing whatever it is and not necessarily reaching your KPIs for the month or, you know, j just to take that pressure off and have some self-compassion that is 
for you in personal achievement rather than always being for the business or for others. Yeah, and as we, we always say, it all starts with you and especially in leadership, lead yourself before you lead others. And what I experience with a lot, I coach quite a lot of women, female senior leaders and um, they, I mean, there is always this tent of uh, this, this, this kind of, you know, I want to do everything perfect, yeah, uh, which you find quite often. And then I could see these women struggling to transfer the whole business from yesterday to today, uh, full on digital and running the house and the children and supporting everybody. And this word self-compassion, I think just being generous with yourself and saying, okay, today just couldn't have to assist my children with schooling, homeschooling. So today I just started at two and write to the boss and say, sorry, can't do that today. And I think giving yourself this allowance because everybody is in the same um, position. And I found with a lot of them, I had to work, really ask a lot of, you know, open questions that they really got to the point where they say, you know, it's absolutely normal and everybody is struggling in their own way. You just have to find out what is it, what is for me the most most challenging bit, admit it. And then there are always people who are happy to help. And as well in the house with your family to stand up and say, listen, guys, that's all good. But, you know, don't expect me to do the cooking three times a day for catering for the whole family and work and do this and this. And, and I think this kind of like really a having the awareness, but then being brave enough and stand up. If you're a pretty perfectionist and you want to do everything 100%, that's quite often the challenge. Just like you just said, for, for us, like when we felt how we could all be vulnerable and, and say that it's okay, that we, we don't cope with certain things or we, we don't do it as well. This is the same is true for some of the leaders that you know we work with and some of the team leaders in particular that think all of a sudden I don't see my team I don't I can't see how they are physically so you know being a little bit more vulnerable and and having this sort of humility also to say look you know I we're struggling I am struggling we all have our issues all of a sudden brought these people much closer together there, there was this genuine just just being authentic and just say let's not pretend we're all superheroes here because nobody knows what's coming tomorrow and um, nadine is katie here yeah that and that reminds me of the uh, of the importance of connection you were saying that people were so uh, far apart and not able to connect in person or physically and just reminded me certainly my reflection from the last four or five months has been how important relationships and relationships for connection sake uh, you really is and, and we were all catapulted wherever we are around the world we were all catapulted into some form of lockdown which meant that our relationships those that we rely on every day for human connection were overnight just lost um and and you know it struck me that i i began to realize that that was what was missing you know i could do the baking at home i could get up i could go for a run i could do whatever i needed but the one thing I couldn't do was make that connection and until I suppose I realized that actually you can make connection uh, and relationships in lots of different ways. It doesn't have to be over a coffee physically with someone. It can be remotely. And I know we've all probably got a bit of Zoom fatigue at this stage, but, you know, certainly in the beginning, it helped to be able to say, I can Skype you or I can WhatsApp video call you or I can, you know, I can connect with you on, on different levels. 
And I was talking to my teenage daughter recently and I, and I realized, I think, that actually making reconnecting with the humans that we live with, be those family or friends or whoever it might be, has actually been really, really good for the spirit. I, I certainly have a different relationship, I think, now with my teenage daughter than I did before lockdown. And I think that's from having a different perspective. I was there, I was listening to her. I had nothing else to do in that sense. You know, she was there, she needed me. She was homeschooled like, like everyone's children and actually starting to see what it was like from her perspective. And, and I think that's what the heart of coaching is, isn't it? You know, you, you really listen, the person feels heard and you're, stand, you're standing in their shoes as much as you can and, and seeing the world from their eyes so that you can understand what they're going through and what they might need. And it just, it, it just is so important to have those human connections and the relationships that are really meaningful and authentic, as well as the relationships where you might just have drinks on a Friday night with people or you might do a yoga session or, or you might you know just, just chat for chatting's sake. Um, but that listening... And, and and being vulnerable so that they're vulnerable to you uh, has just been such a social uh, important of such social importance. I think it's something that for me has come out of lockdown, that relationships are the heart of so many things we do. And, you know, to nurture them in whatever way is possible is, is so important. One of the things for me that was amazing is, and I don't know if you remember, but that whole period to begin with where people were going, oh, this is amazing. I've got more hours back. I don't have to commute. I can get on Zoom. Our work is on Zoom. And then let's do some quizzes and let's speak to our family on Zoom. And, <laughs> and I was literally rocking going, oh, my goodness, no more Zoom, no more Zoom. And it wasn't until um, that we went outside to bang the pots and pans for the NHS in the UK. And I stood on my street with neighbours opposite me and we just started chatting. You're still in lockdown, but you could go out and bang those pots and pans. And that human connection and that community, because most of the neighbours I wouldn't have ever spoke to before. And it was actually nice to be on the street. And the, the joy that I got from just saying, how are you doing over there? Do you want me to do any shopping for you? That, so I, I then realised that not only is the Zoom good and it is, does, you know, is effective, but also the human piece is, is so key. Yeah, I was, I was thinking sort of actually in a, in a different sense, I've noticed that my, actually some of my coaching relationships have really like turbocharged in a sense, in terms of we've had to bring the human into this. You know, we've mm. had to sort of even, you know, wear our two hats at the same time of, you know, the professional and, and the personal just simply through, you know, oh gosh, can I rearrange this session because my husband's ill and someone can't look after the baby. And I think people have responded really well to that. And it is in the same, I think, sense, the comfort that we got from this group and sharing experiences. It is that reassurance that everyone is getting that, you know, everyone is in the same boat and everyone, you know, no matter how efficient you might sort of come across a, across a Zoom chat or whatever, you're still having to juggle the same things in the background. And I think that sort of sense of you know humanity coming through and everyone has really sort of been bonding actually and I personally feel has really been very additive to my sort of professional relationships as well as my personal ones. Yeah also um, you know in times of crisis when we're shaken to our core and um, common distractions and the business of life falls away we ask ourselves the deeper questions right so to me this is the last and most 
important piece of the puzzle, really. I mean, having looked at vitality and positive emotions, um, the importance of engagement and personal achievement, and even just now the relationships, it all to me is is fundamentally, un, you know, sort of connected with our values and, and, and meaning. So what are we passionate about? Uh, what makes us fulfilled? What's our intrinsic motivation to, to get up in the morning and, and do something and contribute? Um, some people want to call it legacy. You know, the, the really big, deep question. So in, in this case, for us, you know, I've got clients in the last few m- months who haven't been able to travel in lightning speed across Asia like they did the years before in their high-powered careers. And they ask themselves now, so hang on a minute, isn't it quite nice to be home with my child or children and partner? And, and to they've never been p- part of that f- in their family that, that way. So to be, it's quite rewarding and, and they find new meaning in this as well. Um, and privately, to be honest, I've had the exact same experience. Um, I had you know, a very, very busy career in New York, uh, 2008, just before Lehman went down and the financial crisis and, and everything that we thought stable was, was, you know, all of a sudden not. Um, I also had uh, my dad being diagnosed with a very rare brain degenerative disease. And it was kind of in free fall for, for a little while that summer thinking, well, what does that all mean? And where do I go? What do I do here? My life was, you know, really not as sustainable in that moment anymore. And I just asked myself what I want to be doing on a daily basis. So instantly sort of purposefully decided to move back to Europe, went back to London and be closer to my family. And actually in this, in this whole, in the same month that we'd moved back, bought a house, um, Lehman went down. It all happened very quickly that in fact, I even was pregnant with my first child. So, you know, best moment in life, worst moment in life, who knows? But the one thing I do know, it, it was all very, very purposefully um, you know, acted out then. And since then, I've literally just taken, you know, the, the meaning, I think, of everything a lot more serious and, and thought about long and hard about my values and what I want to be doing and why, rather than just the constant sort of chasing the next thing and the next thing, the next thing. So I think, you know, that just like now in the pandemic, people are just shaken to their core enough to ask themselves, to sort of stop time and ask themselves these deeper more meaningful questions. I mean, how many people do we try and coach to sort of say, what are you in, you know, what's mm. important to you? And so often it's not until someone's had a near death experience, had a, a family loss, you know, these big turning points. And I think this is what COVID's been, you know, if you're seeing positives, what COVID's been really good for. I mean, so many businesses I've spoke to have always been, no, it will never be fully working from home, never being, you know, it won't happen. Then all of a sudden, some massive changes happened. And now you've got full companies being able to operate um, from home and and being able to see what choices do we want to make. And that's the exciting bit for the future is what, what is it going to look like you? And some people can say exciting. Some people can say nerve wracking. One of our challenges as coaches is to, is to somehow try and hold on to that feeling that COVID allowed us, as negative as we may find it in, in, a, in some of our circumstances, you know, it allowed us to change very quickly our, um, our habits and, you know, not going into the office every day, not commuting every day or, or whatever it, it might be. And how can we hold on to that for our clients and keep that alive in them that, you know, the choice they have is to make 
something meaningful out of the crisis that has happened and and to to um bring something to their awareness that that allows them not just to go back and rush into you know the the, the next normal whatever that might be but to keep hold of their purpose and to keep hold of that meaning so that they make meaningful choices going forward and i think that's one of one of the challenges that i see with some of my clients because the, the the next normal is oh good we can get back to the office so let's just rush back you know let's let's try and coach people around holding on to that and holding on to the meaning yeah I agree um, with you on that Katie and I think you know how we always say it's not what happens to us what counts in life it's what we make out of it and I think there is a, a lot of truth in that and I think a lot of people you know in a way we are all driven and we are all kind of brought up a certain way and their expectations, uh, you know, from the parents and later their expectations of the family and our children and so on. And I think at some point it's really very, and, and this is what I encourage my coaches always to look at and say like, listen, you know, if you consider now a change, what is it you can do and what would you like to do? Because quite often people mix that up and because they have a PhD in physics, they feel they have to leverage this degree to their best. And quite often, unless they are kind of forced to, and Lisa, that's to your point, what you said earlier, is like, you know, when they have time to sit back and think, they might realize and say, okay, fine, you know, I have done that now for 20 years. Things have changed now and that might be a good opportunity now to change direction and do things differently or leverage different skills of myself. And there are some which I use my whole life, but I don't really want to do anymore. What's coming through really strongly to me from just listening to all of you, it's, it's just clear that we're all struggling at times to navigate the extraordinary impact of this global situation. Um, it really is a time of of huge change and prolonged uncertainty because we're being asked to lead and support others through challenges that we've never encountered before. And that's in all the different roles that we play, whether it's business leader, a mother, a father, a partner, a carer, a coach, or, or even just as a friend. I mean, this really is tough. Um, and it's really important that we nurture our resilience to ensure that we've got the energy and the resources that we need to thrive through this situation. And to do that, we have to start by caring for ourselves. And that's what came out of all of our meetings. We have to prioritise our own needs first to ensure that we're able to support others effectively. So. I think what I would say to anybody listening to this podcast is that if anything is rung true to you from listening to our discussion, then please take the time to reflect on how you can ensure that you're looking after your own well-being. That's just crucially important. Now, the tool that we created between us, which we've called It Starts With You, because that's what it's all about. Um, I think we've all found that it can be a really good springboard for that reflection. Um, and it's free for anybody who would like to download it from our website. You can use it on your own. 
or you can use it as a prompt for conversations with a thinking partner or with a coach. Thank you for listening to the TPA podcast, available to download on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Acast and SoundCloud. We look forward to bringing you another episode very soon.